0: Today we meet Misty's swimmingly synchronized sister act, and I'll explore and I dare say explain the enduring, baffling mystery of the missing Brock. This is Original Pokemon, the inside story behind the classic seasons of the Pokemon TV series from the man who helped make it happen. Now, here's the original Pokemon himself, Michael Hagney. Yes, I'm Michael Hegney, the voice of Charmander, Psyduck, and many of your favorite and not-so-favorite Pokémon from the original American version of the classic television series. And today, we're tackling the waterflowers of Cerulean City. Not physically, but in a metaphorical sense. But before I do that, I want to go back to my podcast on Pokémon Emergency, Episode 2 of the original first season series. In that episode, the injured Pikachu was taken into the Pokemon emergency room by the Chansey. And I said in that podcast, I wouldn't want a nurse named Chansey taking care of me or my Pokemon. I'd prefer a Pokemon nurse named something like Efficiency or Proficiency in charge of my medical care. But I got an email from David Parker, a listener to the podcast. Thank you, David. And he reminded me, or possibly told me for the first time, I don't even know if I knew this ever, And I'm quoting David's email here. The presumable reason Chansey is chosen as the Pokémon Center Nurse or Nurse assistant in the animation is because it has in-game healing abilities slash moves, which is fairly unique among the original 151. And to heal Pokémon, you either had to use items or go to the Poké Center, where Nurse Joy, nameless in the game, heals them instantly via machine while still inside their Pokéballs. I think he means, well, the Pokémon are still inside their Pokéballs, not while Nurse Joy is still inside the Pokéballs, because I don't think she'd fit in there. Anyway, he goes on, As a kid, I, meaning David, found it odd that they did actual clinical treatment on Pokémon. I think he means in the episode. Instead of using the magical musical nurse machine. Chansey, however, wasn't a part of the Pokémon in-game, until Pokemon Yellow, which combined aspects of the original two games and the animation. So that's apparently why Chansey are ER nurses at the Pokemon centers. So thank you, David, for that. But uh, I still got to say, Chansey is a terrible name for a nurse. I'm sorry about that. While we're at it, here's another email. I got from Hayes Powell. I met Hayes and his wife at a convention where I was signing autographs and did a panel discussion with some of the other Pokemon voice actors, and Hayes subsequently sent me this. I'm genuinely surprised you all, and I guess he means all of us who worked on the show as voice actors, were never introduced to the gameplay, or at least the mechanics slash storyline of it. Do you think if you had been, it would have helped? with the show slash made more sense, or do you feel it would have made it more difficult? You know, I've thought about this a little bit since I've been doing the podcast, and I always felt my job was to Americanize or Englishize, if that's a word, which I doubt it is, the series, try to match the flaps, convey what the character's character was, what their personalities were, and to punch up the gags, as Bob Hope might say because there was a lot of Japanese humor in the show that relied on puns and plays on words, but also I just wanted to kind of juice up the dialogue, and it may have just been lost in translation. I'm not blaming the Japanese in any way. Would it have helped to know a lot more about the game or anything about the game? Maybe. I mean, there were probably some episodes in which I may have misinterpreted or just goofed up on dialogue that violated the game but i'm not so sure there were so many that weren't in the original animation in the original script from the japanese creators i felt that any information that was important for the series and the game was in the series and i didn't presume to get to the point where i could know as much or more than the creators of the series so i think just as a practical matter i'm fine with the way it worked not knowing anything about the game maybe some fans are not happy about my feeling on that but that's how I feel. Anyway, let's dive into today's episode, shall we? Today's episode kicks off with a recap of the series so far, a very brief one. And after the show title, The Waterflowers of Cerulean City, originally The Waterflowers of Hanada City, we see Ash and Brock walking towards Cerulean City, and Ash mentions, in a subtitled version of the original Japanese show I found online, that the weather is great, and he's feeling great. And Brock says, yeah, if he were drying the laundry, it would probably only take two hours in this weather. And Ash does what I've called in a previous episode, a big comic anime face take. Now, I recently got an email from a listener named Daniel Vincent, who sent me a lot of information, and he calls this a face fault. And there's also something called a slip take, which is used in anime. Sometimes it's called a flip take, but in the slip take, it's kind of a takeoff on the word suberu, not Subaru like the car, but suberu, please excuse my mispronunciation. And this word means slip. It's a takeoff on that word, but it's also come to mean when a joke falls flat. And I guess by extension, the reaction of a person to a failed joke. But what Ash does here, and I think other characters do in other episodes of the series, is not exactly a face fault because they don't, technically literally fall down on their faces. But it's kind of a comic anime take. So I'm going to call it a Kamana take. No, no, that's bad. I'm not going to call it that. Let's stick with comic anime face take. That's what it is. You can call it what you want. But here, Brock is referring to his former duties, taking care of all of his many brothers and sisters before his... Wayward, in my opinion, father returned in an earlier episode and Brock joined Ash and Misty in their Pokemon journey. I won't get into whether there are 10 or nine siblings in Brock's family. I've dealt with that at great and possibly too much length previously. But anyway, Ash's react to Brock's comment about the laundry uh, to me was way too extreme for what the comment was. So I changed the line into Kind of an indirect little motivational, possibly, comment about how while Ash is enjoying the sunny day, Gary, Ash's arch enemy, is out catching more Pokemon. At the time, I thought that dialogue change would remind Ash and us of the rivalry between Gary and Ash and how any mention of Gary really gets under Ash's skin especially a mention from Brock, his new friend and Pokemon partner, that Gary is really outplaying Ash. A Gary reference, especially one that favorably compares Gary to Ash, I think would have been a reasonable cause for this kind of intense Ash reaction, much more understandably than some comment about Brock drying his laundry. To me, anyway. As Ash recovers from this little tweak from Brock, Misty shows up, and she nervously asks where they're going. And Ash says, well, we're going to Cerulean City. And Misty really reacts with intense fear and anxiety to this. And she tries to dissuade Ash from going to Cerulean City by telling him that there are ghost Pokemon there that look horrible. In the Japanese subtitled version I saw, she calls them Phantom Pokemon. Ash brushes her off, and... Then she says, Why don't we go to Vermilion City? And she describes how great it is. And Ash says, Okay, let's go. And she says, Really? And Ash says, Yeah, to Cerulean City. <laughs> then Misty does an actual flip take or face fault or whatever you want to call it. And she collapses out of the frame. But as Ash and Brock and Pikachu walk off, Misty rubs her head. And in the original that I saw, she says, He's so hard headed. In my version, she says, I never wanted to wander back here. That's really bad. And I'm not sure why I wrote that. I never wanted to wander back here. That's like, I don't know, no kid would ever say that. It's just kind of awkward and and bad. In retrospect, what I should have had her say, now that I look at it 25 years later, as she's rubbing her head, I should have taken a little piece of the original line and said, I wish I was as hard-headed as Ash. But why I put wander back in there, I have no idea. I guess it's possible that in the original translation I worked with, there's some word that is like hard-headed, but maybe Paul Taylor heard it as something else like wandering, or I don't know, I doubt it. But if you have any ideas as to why I would have come up with this very crummy line, you know, besides a lack of taste and talent, Drop me a line at originalpokeman at gmail.com and let me know. In the next scene, it's night, and we see a giant moon, and who should appear in some kind of closed, darkened technical facility through a vent in the wall but Team Rocket? In the original, they apparently say, Nothing here, nothing here, nothing here. In my version, I made a little triple rhyme, which I think has a bit more Team Rocket flavor, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some nuance or language pun or illusion I didn't know about or understand that was in the original Japanese. Maybe it's some reference neither I nor Paul Taylor, the translator, understood. I don't know. I'm not putting it on Paul. Anyway, they come upon this giant thing that looks like it has a big hose, and in my version, I make it clearer than I think the original did. That this is going to help them capture Pokemon. They don't really say that in the original. Next, we see Brock and Ash and Pikachu going into Cerulean City, and in the original, they say how beautiful it is. In my version, they say it's pretty cool, but Ash notices that Misty isn't with them anymore, and Brock says, Yes, she really didn't want to come to Cerulean City. I wonder why. In the original, Ash says, Well, it's kind of better without her, to be honest, or something along those lines. In my version, I had kind of a sexist thing, which I don't think I would have put in if I were adapting the show now, Uh, which is, the line is, I guess we'll never figure out girls. Although I have to say that girls probably say we'll never figure out boys, and honestly, I don't think anybody can ever figure out anybody of any gender, or no gender, if there is such a thing. But I'm not wading into that pool. Ash and Brock hear a commotion, and they go over to find out that some kind of place in the city here, has been burglarized. And the person who tells them this is voiced by me. One of the many fill-in voices I did in the series, although most of the fill-ins I did were Pokemon voices. Anyway, at the scene of the crime is who they think is Officer Jenny from Episode 2. But she explains that she's the sister-in-law of Officer Jenny. And she's suspicious of Ash and Brock because they know her sister. And she thinks that maybe they know her because they've been arrested by her. But Ash uses his Pokedex to identify himself as a Pokemon trainer, and Brock says that he used to be a gym leader, and that seems to give them a free pass with this Officer Jenny. Like, Pokemon trainers and gym leaders can't be criminals. I guess that's part of the Pokemon world I wasn't exactly aware of, and I'm still not exactly aware of it. I change the dialogue around a little bit when she explains that the place has been burglarized, and all that's been taking is a hose and a vacuum. In the original, it was an engine. Brock, of course, hits on Officer Jenny. In the original, she says that she's too busy to show him around the city. He asks her to show him around the city or, you know, get together or whatever. But in my version, she says she has to work past his bedtime, which I thought was kind of a better put-down. Not that I'm comparing my script to the Japanese, though I am. Uh, Now we come to one of the abiding mysteries of the Pokemon TV series, which I'm now able, I think, to clear up. possibly partly, in a way. But first, I'll explain or reveal one of my many goofs. Two goofs, actually, I think. After they meet Officer Jenny and they leave the scene of the crime, the boys are talking on a bench, and Ash wants to get a little inside information from Brock on the Cerulean City gym leader. In the Japanese subtitle translation I saw, Brock says that he's never met the gym leader, but he knows the special moves of the gym's Pokémon. But in my version, Brock says I never actually met the trainer here, but I know his Pokémon special move. Actually, I can't make out from the track if Brock says his Pokémon's possessive special move or his Pokémon's special move. They're slightly different in meaning, but... Honestly, either way, there was no reason for me to put in his. I could have easily put in the passive voice and not used his. I don't know why I did that. I must have known there wasn't a male gym leader in Cerulean City. I must have watched the episode first. And Brock's line is misleading in a way that Brock wouldn't be, and that he was not in the original, at least in the sub that I saw. So I apologize for that. It was a a bad choice. Okay, so that's the first apology. But now we get to the enduring and online I've seen recently, the much-discussed mystery of this episode. In the next shot, Brock says to Ash, in my version, Well, I have some stuff I need to check out. And Ash says, What stuff? And Brock says, Just stuff. See you later. Now, I've seen several places on the internet that this is the mystery, the big mystery, of this early season of Pokemon. The obvious question is, where was Brock going, and why wouldn't he tell Ash? Brock doesn't show up until near the end of the episode, and he never explains, nor does Ash ask, where he's been or what he's done. I remember Ron London, the engineer who recorded the voices for the show, uh, Ron and I speculating about where Brock went during this episode. I won't get into the nature of some of those speculations because I don't remember them. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. But watching this subbed version of the original Japanese, I now believe I am the one who created this mystery. Now, I'll explain what I mean. In the Japanese version I saw, Brock says, well, there's something I want to do for a bit. And then Ash asks, what is it? And Brock responds, plenty of things. See ya. Again, I adapted this around 25 years ago, but it seems to me that the way I had Eric Stewart read the line as Brock was meant to leave a mystery about where Brock was going. If you hear it, if you listen back to it now, you'll you'll hear what I mean. He doesn't say the line in a casual way, like the way he may be saying it in the original. Brock says it like there's some mystery, something he's hiding. Now, it's possible that I assumed there would be an explanation later on in this episode or later on in this series of why Brock just disappeared here in this way. Maybe I sensed or assumed or guessed that Brock's disappearance would be explained some other time, but it never was. I don't know why the Japanese creators of the episode had Brock leave. Maybe they wanted one less character to animate through most of the episode, or maybe they couldn't figure out a way to shoehorn Brock into the story, the main meat of the story. Maybe they wanted Ash to do something on his own for one episode to show that he was capable of handling things by himself once in a while. I don't know. But... I think that I was the one who decided to make Brock's absence a mystery, a mystery that the original creators never intended. So I am sorry that I misled you and everybody else, but I have to admit my decision made this episode a lot more intriguing than it would have been otherwise. And it gave fans something to talk about for the last couple of decades, right? (laughs) Ash now on his own finds the Cerulean City Gym and when he goes in, he's surprised to see that instead of Pokemon battling, there's a cheering crowd in this big arena around a pool and three girls way up on a diving board who the announcer, by way of a public address speaker that looks like a hollowed out cloister shell, which if you think about it is a little bit grisly, introduces them as the sensational Cerulean City synchronized swimming sisters. A lot of alliteration there. The crowd calls out the names of the three girls that are standing on the diving board, and in the Japanese, they are three flower names. In ours, the names are Lily, Iris, and Daisy. Although, in the dubbed version I just reviewed on Netflix, the crowd calls out Violet and Lily, but I don't think I hear the crowd call out Daisy, though Daisy is in the English subtitle of our version on Netflix, which is odd. I'm pretty sure we recorded the crowd yelling out Daisy when we did the adaptation, and I think I may very, very lightly hear it in there, though that may be wishful listening. Maybe it just got lost in the mix, or was inadvertently taken out, or really lowered somewhere along the way, I have no idea. This is another unsolved Pokémon mystery. Ash watches as the girls dive into the pool and do a synchronized swimming routine, and Pikachu is very taken with these three girls. But Ash leaves the performance kind of perplexed because he was expecting and hoping for a Pokemon gym with Pokemon battles. He walks downstairs, and he finds that he's walking through this giant aquarium. There are fish, not water-type Pokemon, swimming around in large tanks. And this is at least the second time we've seen proof that there are actual animals in the Pokemon world. I'm not sure if this was intentional. I mean, it was obviously intentional. The original Japanese writer put fish in the script and they had to design the fish and animate the fish. It didn't happen by accident. But I'm not really sure if the creators of the series really thought through the ramifications of having both Pokemon and animals in the Pokemon world. I'm not knocking them. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. So don't hate me. I mean, hate me for other reasons if you want. Or for this reason, I guess is okay. But I just don't know. If you know or have any kind of knowledge of the background of their decision to put animals in the TV series, send your explanation of this coexistence to me at originalpokeman at gmail.com, because I'd like to know what the answer is. I mean, I've waited for two and a half decades. As is looking at the fish, he hears the three girls coming towards him. I decided when I was adapting the show to have the girls speak in a kind of a conversational shorthand, which was popular at the time, the sort of valley girl trope. This kind of thing has disappeared in movies and TV, I think, probably for a long time. But I'm not so sure that it's disappeared, in fact, in the real world. I mean, it's definitely still alive, especially when people use up-speak, when they inflect up at the end of sentences that are really not questions. Also, with the use or overuse of the word like, which is what I mostly used in the script here. I couldn't remember who all these three actresses were when I listened back. I recognized Megan Hollingshead, but I couldn't really pinpoint the other two. And I mentioned this recently when I was at a convention to the wickedly talented Lily Chelra, otherwise known as Rachel Lillis. And she confirmed Megan, not like a bishop would confirm a person, but she confirmed that Megan was in it. And Rachel says that she, Rachel, was Daisy, and the other sister was voiced by Lisa Ortiz. (whistles) Ash asks the girls if this is a Pokemon gym, and they say yes. And he says he's looking for the Pokemon trainer, and they say that we're them. And this further perplexes Ash as the girls explain that they do the swimming because their fans love to see them perform and they say they pool their talents to make a big splash. And then they give a big kind of manic laugh. The original Japanese phrase here seems to have been, I'm guessing, kind of a pun or a play on sound-alike words. So that's why I put that pool and splash gag in there. Also because they had this crazy laugh visually, so they had to say something that would amuse themselves to that level, though for these three, it probably wouldn't take much. And I didn't give them much. Anyway, they move back to the pool area and Ash challenges the sisters to a battle. And they say they really don't want to because they've already lost three battles against kids from this nowhere place called Pallet Town. And this comically upsets Ash again, because not only is this more evidence that all these kids from his hometown are ahead of him on their Pokemon journeys, but that they must be really good Pokemon trainers, because they beat the Sensational Swimming Sisters. One of the sisters explains they only have one Pokemon left, and all the others have been rushed to the Pokemon Center. And she takes out her Pokeball, and out pops a Goldeen. Now, I've talked about Goldeen also as Tosakinto in an earlier episode, and yeah, Goldeen does its creepy thing flapping around and then goes back into the Pokeball because, as one of the girls explains, all they can use is the horn attack, so they don't even bother battling with it. It would be okay if it would evolve into sea King, but anyway, Daisy says that she knows what Ash is really after, and she summons from the swimming pool Seal. Who is voiced with a lot of sensitivity and depth and a lot of levels of nuance by me? And on Seal's tongue is a cascade badge. Daisy offers Ash the badge, and Ash says thanks, but he'd rather earn his badges, but Daisy insists. Ash is dubious, but just as he's about to reluctantly take the badge, we hear an angry voice shout, Hold it right there! And who should appear? But Misty, just in time for the most important part of this episode, a commercial break. We come back from the break, and Ash is astonished when Misty declares that she's a gym trainer too, and the fourth beautiful sister. I have a memory I didn't mention earlier, that I renamed the girls the Sensational Swimming Sisters of Cerulean City. Not just because of all those S's and all that S-y alliteration, but because the Japanese called them the beautiful sisters. I have a very dim recollection that I wanted to change beauty because people were getting sensitive to beauty being something that should be striven for, so I changed it. The Japanese also has some allusions to their good looks that I softened a bit in our version. In the Japanese subbed version that I've recently seen, Misty says she's the fourth beautiful sister from Hanada City. She doesn't say that she's a trainer. Misty is a gym trainer, but they don't say it here. I'm sure the script would have been vetted by Nintendo, but I'm not sure why I put that in there. Maybe because it's clearer later on and I wanted it to be clear right here, or because it fit the flaps or something. But when Misty declares that she's the fourth beautiful sister, a little sort of chibi, Funko Pophead type of version of one of the sisters slides in and says, there are three beautiful sisters and one wash-up. That's in the version that I saw, the, the Japanese version. That was the translation of it. I made it three sisters and a runt. Now thinking about it, I should have said three sisters and a washout, in keeping with the Swimming, splashing, you know, watery motif of the gym. I think it would have been tough to fit the flaps though, now that I'm watching it over a few times. Maybe that's why I didn't do it. Anyway, I'd like to think that's the reason. One of the sisters claims that Misty left the gym because she, Misty, didn't like being compared to her sisters. Misty denies this, and the script is a little bit squishy here to me. But she eventually says the only reason that she's come back to the gym is because Ash is here, and so she challenges Ash to a battle. Ash is uncertain about this because Misty is really on fire. You know, not literally, because that would be disturbing and inappropriate. So they're in the swimming pool now on these floaty things, and Ash is very psyched, and they decide on a two-on-two battle. Ash chooses Pikachu first... But Pikachu won't go because he doesn't want to battle his friend Misty. So Ash chooses Butterfree to kick off the battle, and Misty chooses Staryu. I was at a uh, convention recently, and somebody asked me, What's the deal with Staryu? Why doesn't it say its own name? It just goes hiya like that or Haya, something. And I gave the true answer, which I will reveal to you now. I have no idea. Now, here's something that I did not remember at all. Uh, Looking back at the Japanese, when Staryu comes out, Ash uses his Pokedex to explain it, and the Pokedex says that Staryu is a hermaphrodite. It has both female and male characteristics, so it could have a relationship with anyone. (laughs) Now, there was no way the station in Bend, Oregon at that time, or possibly even this time, that was airing Pokemon, would have gone for the use of the word hermaphrodite in a kid's show. But where I got what I put in there, which is that it has a jewel in the core of it, meaning star you, and that it has seven colors and it's prized for its value as jewelry, I have no recollection. I don't know where I got that. Then I inserted what would probably now be considered a sexist joke, and possibly even then would have been considered one. And so I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, not regretful, but I, I I wish I hadn't done this. Ash says, leave it to a girl to show off her jewelry, you know, th- talking about Staryu. You know, I think in Ash's mouth, that's an okay line, or rather, it's in character, because he does, through the series, or at least when I was working on it, He does have this kind of anti-girl attitude that a boy at that age, stereotypically or historically or in, you know, this kind of work of fiction has. At least Ash has this towards Misty in the episodes I worked on, even though Misty generally shows that she's a superior trainer. Maybe that's why Ash feels the need to put her down. I won't get into the psychology of Ash right here, but I have no idea where this jewel and jewelry stuff came from. No, no recollection at all. But if you do, write to me at originalpokeman at gmail.com. But I have to be honest, I think it's too late for me to change it now. A Pokemon battle ensues and a lot of stuff happens, and Misty calls on Star You, then she calls on Star Me. And I remember thinking at that time it was like the Lionel Richie song, Star You, Star Me. Star them together. That's the way it should be. You know that you know, <laughs> that song. I'm sorry. Uh, that's a not. I'm not trying to impersonate Lionel Richie or anybody else named Richie. Uh, anyway, just as Starmie is about to conk out and Ash is about to win the battle with Misty, Team Rocket comes crashing through the wall in this big vehicle of some kind. They recite their motto, and we learn now why they stole the hose and the vacuum. They know water Pokemon have an advantage in water. So they're going to suck up all the water, and then all the Pokemon will be theirs. At this point in the series, James is still being voiced by Ted Lewis and Meowth by Matt Sussman. Team Rocket starts sucking up the water in the pool, and Seal, Seal, gets sucked in. That's my Seal. I was going to say Seal impersonation, but I'm not impersonating Seal, because I did the voice of Seal. Anyway, Seal gets sucked in when Ash realizes that water conducts electricity, and he commands Pikachu to shoot out a thunderbolt attack, which shocks Team Rocket. Again, the shock is visually tamped down because of the incident in Japan that I've talked about about 200 times already. And when the shocking is all done, James delivers what's become a much commented online. He says, it's times like these that make me want to go straight. Now, going straight always meant straightening out a criminal life, like not being a criminal anymore, being a law-abiding citizen. Was I aware of its possible double meaning for James? Who remembers? Ash saves Pikachu from the vacuum, and the sisters decide to give Ash the Cascade badge because Pikachu saved them, and if Pikachu would have battled, there was no way for Misty to have won with water Pokemon you know, against the electrical shock attacks of Pikachu. Brock suddenly shows up without explanation, and the kids walk off into the sunset, Ash and Misty each claiming victory and superiority over the other. I have to say, it took me weeks and months to finally record and complete the podcast on this episode, and I apologize for procrastinating even more than usual. I can't say for sure why this happened, but this episode is kind of a nothing episode. I have the feeling after the original team in Japan was pumping out those first half dozen episodes, this one seems like maybe it was created to give the team a little bit of a breather. Maybe the writer or writers took their feet off the gas a bit, but that's just my guess. I have no facts or inside knowledge to back this up, but... Some of my favorite assertions are the ones I have no facts to back up. Next time on Original Pokemon, expect exciting insights and startling revelations when we begin our peregrinations on the path to the Pokémon League. That's a lot of peas I'm going to be popping next week. If you like this podcast, please tell one other Pokémon fan in person or on social media. I'm trying to reach one million downloads and I only need about 999,000 more to reach my goal. As always, please write to me with your comments, criticisms, or questions. My address is originalpokeman at gmail.com. That's originalpokeman at gmail.com. I want to give a special shout-out to all my friends at Juniata College where Reed and Riley and Maggie, my special Maggie, are all having a great semester. So thanks everybody at Juniata for listening. And thanks to you too.